Welcome to the Cold Brew Podcast. It is February 24th, also known as Lockout Day 85, and we're just a few days away from the deadline that MLB has set uh, to get the season started on time. You can get more on that from our uh, most recent episode with MLB insider Robert Murray. We talked with him about all that, uh, so plenty of information there on the lockout. I am Dave Gasper, joined by Matt Carroll, as always. We are the editors at ReviewingTheBrew.com. But although MLB is in a lockout and major leaguers are prevented from going to spring training, spring training has still started for minor leaguers, though. And players have shown up at Maryvale, and we've got one of them from Arizona right now. Brewers infield prospect Gabe Holt joins us on the podcast this week. Gabe, thanks a lot for for uh, joining us, man. How you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Um, I just got uh, just got to Arizona, I think, like two days ago. Um, we did physicals, and today was, I guess, our second day. We were on, or today was our first day on the field because, of course, it rained yesterday, which was the first time I've ever seen rain. I think in Arizona in like three <laughs> years since I've been here. So, um, yeah, we actually got rained out. We just hit in the cage, but so far so good, man. I'm I'm excited to get uh, to get out here and you know start playing again. Yeah, I, I can see the sunshine behind you there, and I'm assuming the warmth. And considering I am looking outside my window at snow flurries and 15-degree weather, uh, I am extremely jealous, man. Yeah, it's, uh, surprisingly, it's actually kind of cold out. but the Okay, define so cold. Yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> well, yesterday was like 53 and raining, so I mean, that's pretty bad. So, yeah, I, I came from Georgia. I was like, I'm coming to Arizona. It's got to be warmer. But it's actually colder here than it is in Georgia right now. So I'm like, but I mean, today was, I think, 60 with sun. So, I mean, that's not Ooh. that bad. But I'm used to, like, I'm used to being hot out here. So um, I think yeah. just about everyone here would still take 53 and raining in a heartbeat. <laughs> no, I bet, yeah. It, it got up to 40 the other day, and I went outside in shorts. Like, yep. it was... same. I must say that, yeah, 40 is really cold. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, just wait until you until you get to Wisconsin. That's right. Uh, it's it's gonna be fun. Um, so yeah, so so you're down there at spring training. I mean, you're just kind of you know getting things started with a bunch of the other uh, Brewers prospects in the build-up camp, as they're calling it. Um, is it weird being being down there and like having all these guys and having the major leaguers nowhere around? Um, I guess not. Um, my first spring training. Um, which was in 2019. I think that was the year COVID uh, took out the whole season. That was uh, my first spring training, and there was uh, the big leaguers there. And then so we and then we went home. And then uh, my second spring training there, but because of COVID, the big leaguers, you know, they had to complete their whole spring training before we could even show up. So I guess I really, I still really haven't seen a, a like a true real spring training yet. And and I assume this year. I'll get, I guess it'll be like that if the big leaguers, you know, if they figure figure out all that and they and they get to come. Um, what have you kind of started diving into already? You said it's uh, you've really just had the one day outside of being in the cages. Um, what was today like for your first day outside? Today was uh, we did some infield stuff. Uh, we actually stayed off the dirt still because it was wet. We did some stuff in the outfield, and then uh, we hit in the cage. We hit in the cage again because. Uh, I guess because of the rain yesterday, just wanted to make sure the field is, you know, completely dry and we don't mess it up. So I think tomorrow they said we should be full go with uh, 
some live at bats for like some people. Um, and then we'll be on the field um, doing grounders and then we'll hit on the field as well. So. Yeah, it sounds like, I mean, it's going to be uh, going to be a lot of fun. And I mean, you kind of get things all all ramped up and going and, um, you know, it really kind of gets to start feeling like baseball again, you know, because I mean, we've been through this whole, you know, winter and, you know, baseball has been been away for so long. I'm hoping like the Brewers people will like at least post videos of like you guys like playing catch or something because like the mid pops and just kind of like all the sounds of spring like. I miss that, man. Like, like, have you, have you missed that and just kind of feels good being, being around it all again? Yeah. Um, I was like, sad. I mean, I guess the off season kind of flew by, but I mean, um, I am, I am definitely glad to be back around baseball and, um, I think it is, it's going to be cool to see, um, you know, if the big leagues do come and, you know, get to see some of the guys. Cause you know, I mean, shit, that's, I mean, that is cool. I didn't mean to cuss. That is cool. <laughs> yeah, being, around, yeah, being around them, you know, I mean, um you've seen how how they do things in the weight room and whatnot that'll be kind of cool but um yeah i mean i'm ready i'm ready to uh get playing again so yeah i mean we don't really give a shit if anyone cusses on this podcast so <laughs> okay. i'm not worried about it yeah, this is radio out. or anything like that yeah we're not subject to fcc uh violations right. or anything here um Man, don't tell me that because i'll start i'll start cussing all the time <laughs> <laughs> Well, if we get uh, into talking about the actual lockout or anything like that, like, yeah, if, it's, yeah. it's free range. If we start now, talking right? Rob Manfred. Uh, yeah, then exactly. We, yeah. But we don't need to do that. For, that's been going on for how long, y'all say? Like 80-some days? Yeah, 85 days. Uh, we're closing in on three months of this. Yeah, I was say, what? that's a long time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and uh, we're a few days away from opening day being in jeopardy. And, and opening day is, in my opinion, it should be a national holiday. Um, but I mean, at least it, in the minor leagues, are going to have opening day going as scheduled. Uh, going to have yeah. everything going, which is uh, going to be great. So uh, I, I really can't wait for that. I, I kind of want to get into your, uh, you know, your your background here, kind of going through uh, back to the beginning. You know, with your time with the Brewers, um, coming out of the draft, you were a seventh round pick uh, out of Texas Tech. Uh, draft day for you. What was it like? What, what was kind of your big memories and, and receiving the call uh, that you were being drafted to the Brewers? Just kind of take us through that moment, if you could. Yeah, it was. So we were, I believe, uh, we were in Super Regionals, I think. Um, we were getting ready to play. So I was at practice, and um, I was talking to my advisor, and he was just kind of going through You know, the rounds were going by. I was like, dang, I might be going back to college. Um of course i mean as a sophomore i kind of had that leverage i could have went back another year um and then he i think like the twins called him and they didn't offer what i wanted and i was like dang man it's it's getting late um the money's probably not going to be there you know of course the the later the draft goes the money goes down Mm -hmm. and um i was like dang i'm probably going back to college you know i was kind of upset because i I mean i figured i I mean i didn't want to go back i want to play professional baseball and um and then he said he talked to the twins and um they they pretty much offered what i wanted so um i went with that and it was it was it was i was it was extremely excited because one i didn't want to go back to college the big reason is because i don't like school work so i'm like hey I go play <laughs> we've been so there I can get, so yeah. i can get out of school but no it was definitely um it was exciting um no but 
yeah, I mean, it was probably one of the best days of my life besides um, seeing my, my child born. So other than that, yeah, pretty cool. So Yeah, it's tough to top the uh, the kid being born there. No, 100%. <laughs> but the Major League debut, that may end up topping oh, okay, it. That, yeah, that may. That is true. That is true. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, yeah, that draft class, I mean, that was a really uh, – that, that was one of my favorite draft classes that, that the uh, Brewers had. I mean, you had Ethan Small – uh, in there, you had Antoine Kelly, uh, Thomas Dillard, you obviously gave uh, David Hamilton uh, from your rival, I Texas. Traded. I know he got yeah. traded. I'm upset. I like David. Yeah. He's fast, man. Oh, my Real God. Fast. Like, like, yeah, like you, you hear about 80 grade speed all the time, but like yeah. it's one thing when to hear about it, one thing to see it. Oh, my God. Yeah, I, I watched him steal six bases in one game. Yeah, I believe it. I think he had like what seventy on the year, or damn near close. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> Could you steal lot. seventy bases in a season? Do you have that much speed? I mean, I think if I tried, yeah. I, I, <laughs> I mean, seventy is a lot. I last year I was kind of cautious. I didn't run as much as I should. Um, but I mean, I feel like I could. I mean, what's a good what's a good amount in a season? I don't I don't honestly don't even know. I don't know. I'm gonna, I think if you get 20 plus in a season, I think. Yeah, you're I would doing, assume that's, right. that's, pretty, that's pretty good. Yeah. yeah Gone man. are the days of Ricky Henderson and stealing 100 bases a year. You know. <laughs> yeah, that sounds. Yeah, that sounds just outrageous. 100 bags. Yeah. Right. That'd be you nice. No, it would be nice. <laughs> you got a pretty good track record though, there, though. You've only been caught twice uh, in your pro career, so uh, yeah. you know. Uh, selective yes but uh you know throw some more attempts out there and i 20 30 who knows I 70? I had, yeah i think i had 17 last year and like i said mm-hmm. um for some reason i don't know i just i just wasn't stealing um but this year i mean i plan on i mean if you don't run you know you you can't you can't get a bag so if you get thrown out it's gonna happen so i mean yeah. might as well run you know i mean i got good speed so i might as well use it <laughs> Yeah. yeah, but when you got Joey Weimer coming up behind you in the order, hey, what's the point yeah. in stealing when he's just gonna when you can just jog home? Hey, that's what. Uh, Working smarter, like, not harder here. He would give he would give you the no steal sign if he's about to hit because he's he's probably hitting it off the wall or hitting it out the park. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, that hey, Joey can swing it. Joey's a good ball player. Yeah, absolutely, and um, yeah. So I mean, you're coming through that draft class, you Hamilton, and your Texas Tech teammate. Taylor Floyd gets taken three rounds after you. Have you gloated it over him at all that you went three rounds before him? <laughs> no, no, I'm nice. That actually, it's it's kind of cool. So um, even though we weren't extremely close when we were at Tech, his um, one of his big decisions was with going with the Brewers is because I signed or is I got drafted by him as well. So he's like, I'm gonna go since you went. I was like, hey, I'm down. <laughs> that was kind of cool. But and then Floyd, man, Floyd. Talk about a pitcher. That dude can throw. He's real good. So. Yeah, he had a phenomenal season this past year, mm-hmm. too. Yeah. Yeah, he's it, just facing him the little bit of times I did in college, and I think I faced him live twice last year at spring training. It's not a fun at-bat, for sure. <laughs> so then 2019 uh, is the year you get drafted. That's also the year you make your pro debut. So things kind of move pretty fast so then after the draft um and after college once uh you know uh college world series is all done with um what was that process like how fast did all that start moving um so after i got done with the world series my sophomore year which i actually broke my thumb before the world series 
Um, so I went, I probably got home, I think like a week later, I flew out to Arizona and I rehabbed, I think for like two months out there. And then I went to Colorado and I played maybe 10 games and then the season was over. So no, it's, it was pretty quick. I mean, they draft you, you get like a week and then or maybe less than a week, depending, you know, depending on the situation, they send you out there, get you going. Yeah, and it's uh, you know, I broke my thumb once playing baseball too. This was in like seventh, eighth grade. It was it was not a cool uh, baseball injury, by the way. I'm just standing off on the side. This is a practice, and just an errant throw from one of the other guys on the team that doesn't know what to do, like completely misses his catch partner, hits me right on the thumb. Oh, breaks it. Yes, yeah, that might. Yeah, I broke mine on a bag sliding. So. Yeah, and I had to play in the next game with a broken thumb because if I didn't play. <laughs> We would have forfeited because we didn't have enough guys because like that was just like didn't show up. So my and my dad's the coach and he just sends me out there into like right center and it's like oh yeah try to try to throw I'm just like this is my throwing thumb like I I can't like yeah that was, yeah mine was on my glove hand I actually played a game in the World Series that I actually got a hit with a broken thumb in the World Series that was kind of cool but oh nice. Um, Nice. Yeah, luckily I was playing outfit at that time. I didn't get a single ball hit to me. I was like, thank God, because I wasn't gonna catch it. I, I couldn't even <laughs> see the glove. So <laughs> trying to catch it with with your other hand, yeah. and then you end up breaking that thumb. Yeah, it, it definitely was uh, not a good idea. And then the next game, I didn't play, and my coach was mad. He wanted me to play. I was like, dude, I can't. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's like, do you I, see I this thumb? Do you see how? Do you see how purple it is? He's like, oh, well, with you in the lineup, it changed everything. I'm like, dude, I got a broken thumb. I'm pretty much an automatic out unless they walk me. Yeah. So. And you draw plenty of walks, man. Like, yeah. like you walk more than you strike out. And uh, that is certainly great to see. And it's rare to see it nowadays. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely um, what, what I pride myself on is not, well, of course, no one wants to strike out, but stri- or not striking out and walking more than I strike out. And I think I did that every year at college. And then last year I did it. My first full season, I think I struck out like 40 times and walked maybe like 70. I don't know the exact numbers, but. Right yeah. around uh, 52 yeah. strikeouts and yeah, 68 walks. So yeah, right around so, 70 there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so then, so how do you go about that approach? Um, you know, it's the league these days, you know, at a lot of levels is, you know, it's swing, it's launch angle, it's. Um, and obviously like, you know, you're more about, you know, the contact and getting on base anyway, but that doesn't, you know, take away from the fact that the philosophy is still, you know, swing harder. Um, what is it about your approach that allows you to, you know, get on base more often? Um, I mean, like you said, a lot of nowadays they want home runs. I mean, people strike out. I mean, I'm not a home run hitter. I know I'm not a home run hitter. So I'm like, I mean, my first two swings are for the, you know, for myself. Try to hit it hard, but I mean, when I get two strikes, I'm sure y'all have seen pictures. I choke up. I still choke up, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm extremely short to the ball. I mean, if you put the ball in play, you got a chance to get on base. So you got to put pressure on the defense. And nowadays, a lot of people, like you said, they want the long ball. They'll go a strikeout and hit a long ball the next at bat and strike out the rest of the game and be fine with it. But I'm the type of guy that just wants to get on base. So you yeah. put it in play, you got a chance to get on base. See, you've seen Moneyball, and that's how you know <laughs> that that's what you got to do. It's all about getting on base. And if you can get on base, I mean, you you got on base at a at a 403 clip. I mean, you, you had an on-base percentage over 400. And yeah. if you can do that, you, you'll you find your way into a lineup no matter what. 
No, exactly. Yeah. If you've been hit, they'll put you on the field somewhere. So I pride myself on, on hitting. And of course, I mean, you want to have good defense or whatnot, but like I said, if you hit, you're going to play. So. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, keeping on putting up those numbers that you had in, in 2021, I mean, you hit, uh, I think I had the numbers here, like 283, you know, yeah, with the, with the 400 on base percentage and, uh, you had a number of doubles there and, you know, the stolen bases and you, I mean, you performed really well. I mean, you especially started off hot in low A Carolina and, you know, yeah. it's kind of like you were there kind of a while and like we were looking at the numbers. It's like, okay, when's this dude going to get promoted? Like, you know, cause like, like Appleton's, you know, not too far away. I want to yeah. see this dude get moved up so I can go watch him in Appleton. And then finally you get promoted and it's to Biloxi. You just completely <laughs> skyrocket past high yeah. A um, and move up to Biloxi. Was that kind of a surprise to you? Get, you know, I mean, I'm sure the promotion you figured was coming, but all the way up yeah. to double A, did that surprise you? No, for sure. Like you said, it was so late in the year. Um, and the team we had in Carolina, I mean, I, I got so close to everyone. We were winning. We were having fun. I was like, you know what? If I don't get if I don't get moved up this year, it's not the end of the world. Of course, everyone wants to get promoted and whatnot. But, yes, I think we finished up at Down East. It was like the ninth inning, and it started raining. And uh, it ended up raining us out. I think we lost the game, but we got back into the locker room, and that's when Joe – I think a couple of our guys got um, got promoted. And he said – and he told me he was like, double A? I was like – Dang, double A? I thought he was, <laughs> I thought he was just playing around, but um, no, I was definitely excited. Um, of course, like I said, I, I uh, at that time I was like, I'm gonna be before the game. I was like, I'm gonna be in Carolina the rest of the season. I'm like, I'm gonna be a Mudcat for life. But no, I, when I got moved up, no, it was cool. Um, and getting to meet because I, I I didn't really know too many people um, in Bluxies. That was cool. Get to meet a lot of the older guys and whatnot and kind of get my feet wet for hopefully that's where I'll start this year and kind of know how things go. So um, uh, definitely prepares me for for if I do go this year, go there this year, you know, I kind of know how things work. So that is cool. Yeah. And when you went up there, um, your, your numbers didn't take a hit, you know, for someone who makes that big a jump, a lot of times, you know, you'll see a little bit of a struggle at first before things start to even out. That was definitely not the case with you. Um, and in talking to some of the other minor leaguers we've had here, um, you know, they talk about how there's a pretty noticeable difference once you finally hit that double A level. Um, you did well, but what were some of the things that you noticed that were a little bit different there as opposed to, you know, with the competition and whatnot, as opposed to uh, low A? Yeah, well, first of all, myself, with, um, the biggest thing that helped me was I went to college. I went to a power five mm-hmm. school. I've already seen some of the best. I've faced two guys that Alec Manoa is already in the big leagues. Um, yeah. The dude, the Royals that I faced in the World Series from Florida. I can't think of his name. Coar? Yeah, I faced him in the World Series. I faced Manoa. He was in the Big 12. I faced him every year. I, I mean, I've already seen, you know, some of the, the better arms that are already in the league. So I think, I mean, that helped me. Um, then the, the things that are, you know, different from low A. And I mean, I didn't go to high A, so I don't really know how high A is. But from low A, it's just the pitchers in double A, they – I mean, velocity is honestly not that much of a difference. I mean, we, we faced some dudes in low A that were throwing 95 plus. They just didn't know where it was going. That was the thing in low A. That was the scary part. <laughs> yeah. It's a double A. You know, it's guys that can, they can mix more pitches in, throw them for strikes. They can locate. Um, they just have a better idea, you know, understanding of the game and, and how to pitch. I think that's the biggest difference. Now, hitting, I mean, I think the hitting, of course, the players get better as you move up. But I mean, I think the hitting was better. 
it was uh, it, I mean, it was harder at first. I struggled the first few games, but then uh, I mean, I caught on, and I think I, I mean I did pretty well. So. Yeah, yeah, numbers were certainly good. And when we had a uh, Joey Weimer on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, he said kind of the same thing, going from low A up, up to high A. The pitchers have a bit more control. You could have a guy that buzzes the tower, and it may just be he has, he has no idea what he's doing. But in high A, if he buzzes the tower, it's kind of a bit more of like a like a message kind of pitch. Like like that's a bit yeah. more intentional. Um, and you mentioned the, the velocity down there with those guys. And you had one of the biggest flamethrowers uh, in the minor leagues on your team in Abner Uribe. Yeah. Um, did you ever have, like, live BP or, or just kind of, like, watching him? And you're just like, oh, my God. Yeah. Um, I <laughs> No, I've never faced him, thank God. I don't want to. Um, <laughs> no, he, dude, he is. Yeah, he's fun to watch. He throw, I mean, he throws it hard. He does. And he – and. Honestly, his off-speed pitches are really good, too, but he likes that fastball. I mean, I guess if I threw, whatever, 103, I would want the fastball, too. So. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, nah, and as a person, I love that guy. He's so funny. I mean, half the time, I don't know what he's saying, but <laughs> <laughs> he is funny, though. <laughs> uh, he's a cool dude. And, yeah. and he's, 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 I mean, he's still young, right? I don't even know how old he is. I think he's, like, 20. I say, I'm 24, so, yeah, he's way younger than me. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, him and... Ernesto Martinez seemed like the the most fun dude on that team. Yeah, yeah, Ernesto, that dude is <laughs> he's funny. He he's, he yeah, looks he like a goofball, some, doesn't no, he? he? Like he has some stuff, and you're just like, who says that? But it's funny because it's coming from him. <laughs> and he's just like, I don't know. He he's just glad to be out there. He just has fun. Uh, he's just a good dude to be around too. So um, yeah. I don't I don't know if I don't I haven't seen him here yet. I guess he'll be reporting. I don't even know when our spring training actually starts. I think like March 11th or something. I guess he'll be reporting then. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit later, yeah. I think, for for some of the rest of those guys with the minor league games. But yeah, I mean, it's it it's just kind of you know really kind of a lot of fun to see uh, some of those teams and, and some of those players, you know, especially down in the in the lower levels. I mean, you see some of these guys, you know, coming up, and it's just kind of a, a real like mix of talent, a mix of guys, and you know, everyone's just kind of like finding their own place and just kind of jostling their, their way to, to move up higher up in the system. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, yeah, everyone wants to move up. I mean, if all you can do is play and, and go from there. I mean, yeah, you got really no control, I guess, of who, who they move up and whatnot. So, um, play, play, uh, play your best every game. And I mean, that gives you your best chance to move up. Um, Tell us a little bit more about that Carolina Mudcats team, because, Matt, that was just a blast of a team to watch all year. And, like, you'd have guys move up and you'd have, you know, younger guys step in who would be, you know, just as fun to watch. Um, But especially at the beginning, you know, you've got you and you've got Joey Weimer and Joe Gray Jr. was just phenomenal for the first half of that year. Um, Who are some of the guys, uh, some of the teammates who are the most fun to kind of be around and watch? Uh, uh, especially there down in Carolina. I gotta say, my boy Freddie uh, Freddie Zamora. Um, that was my that, that was that's he's like one of my best friends. Um, I liked watching him play it short. I mean, I played second, so and I like having a, a dude that I can just have fun with. You know, when you're playing, it just makes the game go by mm-hmm. by a lot faster. And you just have fun. Um, of course, Joey destroyed the ball. Joe Gray Jr. Like he said, he was hitting a, a dang a home run almost every game. Uh, let me see. Xavier Warren played well. I mean, overall, dude, we had 
I think one of the best teams in the organization um, overall, honestly. I think we have – I mean, we were an older team for low A because I mean, we had a lot of college guys, which I think helped us out. But um, I think if we all would have stayed there the whole year, we would have we won it all last year with Carolina, I think. So, um, uh, no, so uh, I think when, when, when I left, I, we were in first. I don't know what happened after that, but um, uh, it was – and then, of course – I love the manager. Joe is one of the coolest dudes I've ever played for. Um, he he may he literally makes being out there like extremely fun, which I think that's how it should be. You know, you're playing baseball for a living. Go out there and have fun. So. Yeah, absolutely. And and Joe gets a promotion of his own this offseason. Joe yeah, Arrow getting promoted to to high A, being manager there. I uh, know. I saw that. I uh, I actually saw him. I think yesterday. And um, he said he's he's super excited to get there. You know. Um, but no, I love Joe. Cool dude. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, it's, um, you know, really kind of fun team. And you, and you kind of mentioned, I mean, you and, uh, Freddie Zamora, um, at, at shortstop there, double play duo. Oh, I forgot know, what, dude. I, I hate cutting you off. Felix oh, no. I cannot forget mm. Hey, that yeah. dude race. That dude, hey, that dude can play. He can flat out play. Yeah, he's a, absolutely. He's a real fun dude to watch too. Yeah, he put up some some insane numbers too, and and he seems kind of somewhat similar to to you. I mean, kind of you know big big hit tool, not as much power, but I mean you know up the middle type player with speed, you know, and really good hitting ability and really good on base ability. Yeah, no, for sure. He uh, you- yeah, he he gets on base, and he honestly he shows you some power too for how small he is. I'm like, dang, yeah, he, hey, he hits that thing. <laughs> I was going to say, that's the difference. You got it, uh, just a few inches on him, though, right? Yeah, I know. I am a little taller than him, but I think he left the yard. I only had one homer last year. I think he probably had eight or nine, so he got me there. Yeah, he w- he went up to, to high Wisconsin. All of a sudden, he hit, like, five within, like, two weeks. Yeah. I'm like, where did this come from? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. That's uh, that's fun. But, yeah, I was just kind of I was kind of saying, like, you know, as – you know, kind of double play duos, you know, like you and uh, and uh, Freddie Zamora. I mean, does that just kind of, you know, lead to you guys just kind of becoming closer as friends when you are kind of, you know, the the second baseman shortstop duo? Yeah, for sure. I um I really didn't know him that well um, when we got. So he started playing with us. He was he was rehabbing. He started playing with us in spring training near the end. And that was like the first time I ever met him. And yeah, I mean, right. He went to short and I was at second. And we just started talking and we came, I mean, and then we lived together last year. So we were pretty much best friends. I know it does help. I mean, being beside someone every day playing and um, uh, you just get closer. So. So now um, we're hoping, we're hoping Gabe Holt here makes double A. Um, should should be. That's where you ended yeah. last year. Um, so at that level, then again, what are kind of some of your goals then for this year? What are you, uh, what are you focusing on? Um, just, I mean, to have a strong year, um, improve every day, go out there and improve and, um, to get my best chance, like I said, to move up and play, play the way I play. And I think, um, I think I'll have a good year. So. Yeah. And then, um, you know, if that, you know, continues to keep on going and playing well, you could end up finding yourself, uh, perhaps in Nashville at some point, mm-hmm. or if we ever get a major league season going, uh, <laughs> yeah. perhaps we can, uh, find your way up there either maybe later this year or or next year and hopefully some point soon because i mean if you can keep hitting as well as you're hitting 
we could really use you at the big league level yeah. right now. Yeah, that, I mean, that, of course, that's everyone's goal to play in the big leagues. But, I mean, yeah, like you said, I mean, if you hit, they're going to put you on the field. That's how it should be, at least. So, that's, yeah. I mean, that's one of my big things that I pride on. Is, I mean, I can hit. So, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, absolutely. So, one, one kind of uh, thing here that, that I want to ask you, um, I think, you know, would be good for, for everyone here. What is the best piece of advice that you can give to, you know, someone like wanting to play baseball uh, going forward, you know, like young kids, you know, wanting to be baseball players? What's the best piece of advice you could give them? Um, stay out of trouble. And, I mean, just put in the work. Um, a lot of people, you know, they like to, you know, you some people have a trainer, you know, and then they'll go once or twice a week with baseball. I would say, I mean, you got to do it as much as possible. If you stick with it and, I mean, anything's possible. So if you, you just give it your best shot and um, play hard every day and good things, good things can happen. So. Cool. Uh, one, of, one of the other things I kind of just wanted to ask here quick is um, – down there in Arizona, you've got a whole bunch of uh, minor league players, you know, some at uh, all kinds of different levels that you're going to get to cross up with. Are there any players, you know, any other guys in the system that you haven't met yet that you are maybe hoping to, you know, kind of meet up with, get some advice from, kind of talk about their experiences? Um, honestly, honestly, no, I haven't even thought about that. Um, I feel like at this point, I mean, I've met. I mean, of course, I haven't met everyone in the organization, but I feel like I've, meet, I've met most people. So, and I, I don't really know how to answer that question. No, it's fine. That's <laughs> no, fine. Yeah, I, like, are you uh, looking forward to maybe doing some uh, double play combos with, like, a Bryce Terang at all? Because I'm, I'm sure Terang is down there. Like, like, have you met up with him at all? Um, Yeah, he's actually – I don't think he's here yet. Um, really? I went to uh, – I played a little bit with him – when he was at Sherman, I went to that 60-man thing in Wisconsin, like, maybe it was two years ago. I don't know. Oh, and the alternate was, training site. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I went there for, like, two weeks at the end of it, and uh, I played – he played short and I played second, but not – that dude's fun to watch, too. He can play. Um, I'm, I'm calling him debuting this year. That's that's my – All right. Play. All right, so, yeah. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, I don't know if he's here yet. I haven't seen him. Um, I haven't – I've not seen him yet, so – yeah, that is. Um, yeah, I remember the the alternate training site. I I, th- I thought I remembered like seeing your name as part of it, but it was like super late. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like with like two weeks left, and I think like the last week, someone got COVID, so we shut down. So I was there for maybe mm. like a week. Hey, yeah, but, so. hey, that was fun too, though. You got to face face a few big league guys that were there, which was cool. I mean, you know, just being around the older guys, like I said, you learn a lot. And just, I mean, even if you're just listening, I mean, you still. You still learn stuff, so that was cool. Yeah, absolutely. Being around the guys, got all the coaches there, and yeah, you know, at least you did get to spend some time in Appleton, I guess. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I, I played there. Yeah, like I said, maybe a week or a little longer. So. Yeah, without even any fans there. Uh, yeah, yeah there's no one there. <laughs> yeah, such wild times. Um, Gabe Holt, thank you so much, man, for uh, for jumping on the pod and uh, talking to us here, man. We really appreciate it. We had a lot of fun. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Uh, y'all have a good rest of those night. Yeah. Yeah. And good right. luck yeah this thanks season. a lot, man. And, and Thank enjoy you, your man. food. I know you got food waiting for you. <laughs> I got I got my Wendy's waiting on me, so I'm gonna go get that. <laughs> there you go. All right, man. Sounds good. Thanks <laughs> right, a lot later. for uh, for joining us. Appreciate it. Later.
All right, that was Gabe Holtz, Brewers infield prospect here on the Cold Brew Podcast. Very fun guy, Matt. Fun to talk to. Yeah, he was. It's funny because we were talking to him beforehand, and uh, he seemed like he he was a little nervous about it all. But uh, no, he uh, he was great, and uh, he just he seems happy to just talk baseball, which that's what the Cold Brew Podcast is all about, right? Exactly. It's just conversations, chatting some baseball, drinking some beer on occasion. Um, you know, it's, this occasion. Yes, there you <laughs> go. Um. And it's just having fun, just just yeah. free flowing conversation, talking some baseball, and I found out that um, Abner Uribe. Well, I mean, we already kind of knew that Abner Uribe and Ernesto Martinez were pretty fun guys. That much was pretty was pretty much evident, I think. Yeah. But yeah, I anytime we get a chance to talk about that Carolina Mudcats team, I just love because my man, were they just something else to watch last year. Yeah, you know I had to ask about Ernesto because of Ernesto course. is probably my favorite guy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, six foot six, just high knees, running just super fast. <laughs> Big mouth. Beast. It hits like a yeah. beast. My goodness. Yeah. Oh, man. But Gabe Holt also hits like a beast. Doesn't have as much power, but, um, you know, that's all, as he said, he, you know, I'm not a power hitter. You know, he, he's not going to be a power hitter, and he knows that, but... Uh, if you can hit 280 with a 400 on base percentage, uh, you're going to find your way into a lineup somewhere. Yep. It may not be the cleanup spot, but you'll find you'll find your place in there somewhere. Yeah, I got I got a great saying to go with this that I literally just thought of now. Oh. Someone's got to set the table before everyone can eat. Oh, wow! That is we need to make that go mainstream. We got to put that this. on a T-shirt. Uh, that's just what I was going to say. Slap it on a shirt, sell it, boom. So Have Colt Wong wear it. Um, we, we can give it to Gabe Holt, too, you know, setting the table. Yep. Just re- yeah. everyone remember where you heard that first. That's all. Yeah. The Cold Brew Podcast. Send all checks here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yep. There we go. Um, all right. Well, I mean... I would give a lockout updates, but I really don't think there is a much to go on there. We have our episode with Robert Murray um, that went up this past week uh, that you can look at. And um, Robert was very pessimistic, to say the least. And, uh, well, it appears his pessimism is going to come true. Yeah. Yeah. Not a lot of good news uh, since then. Uh, they have been meeting more often every day, in fact, since Monday. Um but they haven't really made a lot of headway. Um, sides are not getting closer to each other, and uh, opening day is absolutely looking in jeopardy now. Yep, the deadline is the 28th in order to save opening day. They need to reach a deal by then. Uh, at this recording, we are about four days away from that, and uh, progress has been slow, and many reports coming out about it's not good, um, and MLB was not pleased with, uh, the proposal and the day ended early because the sides felt they had nothing more to discuss, nothing more <laughs> to discuss as we are miles apart on a CBA four days away from losing our national holiday of opening day. And so many topics that you're far apart on, but nothing to discuss. Nope. 
No, what possibly would there be to talk about right now? Uh, and they're meeting for, I mean, they're meeting for what, three, four hours a day, I would say right and now. And probably at least half of that, they're they're separately. Like, like yeah. the players and the, and the owners are just kind of caucusing separately in separate conference rooms. And then they just come back and, you know, just kind of, oh, we'll move $5 million. We'll move we'll, $10,000. We'll move these tiny things. I'm just like, oh, my God, you guys, figure it yeah. out. That we we've talked at length about the many frustrating parts about this entire process lately, and I feel like right now it's that the players just keep moving things around in their proposal, but not actually making any ground towards the middle. It's it, it the the proposal will get switched up, and it's like well they offered something here, but then took something back uh, over here, and so they didn't actually make any movement. Whereas the owners are doing nothing. Pretty much the same. Like, I mean, but, I, but I, I've like, barely like, even heard the movements they're making. Like, like both sides are really just kind of like they're responding in kind to like the previous proposal proposal. Like the players and the owners both view the other side's most recent proposal as insulting and their movement as as really kind of nothing. So they make the similar kind of movement. Like, you know, when the players drop their our pre-arbitration bonus pool ask down by just $5 million. Well, then the owners responded by also moving just $5 million. And, you know, we're only going to move $10,000 on minimum salary. It's like, well, now we're adding $10,000 more to the minimum salary. And it's just like, they're both responding in the exact same way because they both feel the other side is giving them a slight and it's just causing so much more friction and no actual progress anywhere. And, all this stuff, like all, all this negotiating from this past week should have been handled at least a month ago. You know, they should have been going through this part a month ago and they're just getting it to it. Now the deadline is Monday and maybe with, with Monday being a deadline, they'll finally spur some action and, and they'll be able to negotiate and get close. But man, it's, it's not looking good. No. And that's all considering that the probably arguably hottest button topic, the competitive balance tax hasn't even been addressed. I mean, yeah. they're talking about all these very important issues, but I mean, kind of side issues compared to the big one that neither side wants to budge off of. And so neither uh, two sides have addressed that elephant in the room. Uh, so it definitely doesn't feel good knowing that the uh, deadline is four days away and the biggest topic hasn't been addressed so that definitely makes you feel like they're nowhere close but look don't don't get us wrong here the owners were the ones who imposed the lockout and then didn't say a damn thing for days i mean if you're going to be the one to initiate days weeks months if you're going to be the one to initiate the stoppage you should be the one to throw out the first proposal so don't give me that the phone works both ways that Rob Manfred said when he was asked about it, you started it. So get that proposal out first and quickly. Especially since the players made the last proposal prior to the lockout beginning. Right. But before the CBA expired, the players made the last proposal. So, you know, once the players make it, it's on the owners to respond. And because the players aren't going to negotiate against themselves, you know, they're they're not going to move anywhere without uh, the owners coming back with something. So, 
they waited on the owners and they waited for like six weeks. Yeah. Yeah. So miss me with the whole phone working two ways. I mean, this started with the owners. It could have resulted in negotiation more quickly because of the owners and it did not. So if you're looking for someone to point the finger at, yeah, I get both sides and I get both sides are paid a lot and we're arguing over millions of dollars and blah, blah, blah. But when it comes down to it, and sorry, that's that's the way I feel. I am pointing my fingers um, at MLB, the owners, the league, however you want to say it. Um, that's who I'm looking at when opening day rolls around and I have no freaking baseball to watch. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be bad. But we do have college baseball. That is ongoing. Yep. Uh, minor league baseball uh, is going to be um, starting on time. And I mean, that's about a week or so later. Um, but I think we may have to end up catching some uh, some minor league baseball. Yeah, that's, you catch that's all we're going to. Yeah. Oh, Ooh, catch some minor league baseball. Um, I feel like we've got some semi-close to us. Yeah, yeah. We, I mean, we do have some semi-close to us here in, uh, uh, up in Appleton. And when mm-hmm. the Tim Rattlers get going. But if we want to watch the highest level Ooh. of Brewers baseball, it's down in Nashville. Yeah, I think, uh, I think that sounds like a great idea. Yeah. I think it may be time for some AAA this year. Yeah, I, I think I think it definitely is. Got to check out the uh, the Nashville Sounds and yeah. catch a couple of games, maybe this April. Perhaps this April. Perhaps uh, listeners might want to tune in around that time. And, yeah. you know, who, who knows what you'll hear around then? Yeah, who knows? It, it could be a, a variety of things. Um, we'll leave it there for, for now. <laughs> and perhaps... Perhaps more details coming a bit later. Um, but, uh, Matt, do you have anything else uh, you feel we should uh, we should discuss this week on the pod? Um, I mean, I'm mostly sad and cold. Yeah. Although it is supposed to be 40s next week, I yeah. do enjoy that. The, the, the state of these um, the state of these CBA talks really make me want to test the waterproofing on my toaster. <laughs> don't, don't do that, or there will be no AAA. Yeah, but um, so we had a you know we've had a couple of uh, articles go up. Um, those, oh, I mean, okay. Before I get to that, um, uh, again on these CBA labor talks, Brent Suter is there. Um, yes. I, I feel we should talk about this. The Brewers Union rep is Brent Suter, and he is down in Jupiter, Florida, at these negotiations. I can only assume because they wanted to pick up the pace. And they needed to call in an expert, and Brent, and no one else can pick up the pace like Brent Suter <laughs> can pick up the pace of anything. That's what we need. I mean, Suter should be the only one uh, negotiating right now. Just have him handling all of this. What's uh, I, I don't know what MLB's version of Brent Suter is, but get him on the other side, back and forth. Just a, a fury of moves and boom, done. We'd have we'd have this done in an hour. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. If like just give Brent Suter full autonomy. He's a Harvard grad. Okay, he went he went to Harvard. He knows what he's doing. All right, and just pound this thing out. Like yeah. come on. Yeah, it's I I do wonder how much the uh, 
players are actually involved in this. Like I know they have like actual, you know, negotiators who are handling most of that, but there there's a sizable contingent of players down there for this. And so they have to have some involvement. I'm just really curious as to what exactly that is, you know? Yeah. Like how much are actually talking in the room? And I think from the reports, Max Scherzer has a big role. Uh, mm-hmm. I think Garrett Cole has a big role. I mean, the, the guys on the eight-player executive subcommittee uh, are pretty powerful. Suter is not on that subcommittee, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Um, but he is down there. And uh, he's a, I think he's a pretty powerful player among the, uh, among the union guys. I mean, very smart dude. You know, I, I think is a, definitely a good guy to have down there. So, you know, hopefully, hopefully that can pick up the pace. Um, but we'll see. Yeah. But, but it's good to have some Brewers representation down there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and what better than a Harvard grad, like you said. Exactly. Very, very smart man who knows how to pick up the pace of things. Um, so hopefully that can get things going. Um, I had a, I had an article go up today here, um, uh, on Thursday here about an under the radar trade target for the Brewers. I want to get your thoughts on this, Matt, because I literally just put this together the other day, mm-hmm. just looking at it. Austin Meadows of the Tampa Bay Rays. Now there are reports that came out about a week or so ago, uh, almost two weeks ago that the Rays were willing to trade Austin Meadows. Meadows had a fantastic 2019 season, really kind of had a, had a rough 2020 as did a lot of players bounced back pretty well in 2021, but not quite all the way back. Uh, the batting average is still kind of fairly low. You know, he didn't have the slash line like he did before, but still big power doesn't strike out that much, draws his walks and he could be on the trade market. He's not a great defender. Most likely profiles well at DH, which the Brewers are now going to have at their disposal. And he could hit 30-plus homers a season. Um, he's not going to be an albatross in the lineup. He, you know, he's probably going to hit, you know, at worst again, probably like 230, but, I mean, probably more regularly around 250, 260, or, or even higher. Um, he's got the potential to hit higher than that. So what do you think of him as, as a trade target to fill out the DH spot? Yeah, I think that's an interesting thought, especially considering, you know, being primarily an outfielder. Um, Brewers just addressed their outfield with the Hunter Renfro trade um, right before the lockout started. Mm-hmm. So you've got your starting outfield good to go. You've got Tyrone Taylor who's going to be there as a backup. You've got, um, we've talked about David Dahl potentially getting a roster spot. I really do think he snags that fifth outfield spot. Um so in terms of outfield, they are pretty set, but he did DH, like you mentioned, quite a bit last year. And that is something that's coming to the National League. Um, and you could kind of filter him in to both that position and the outfield and have a rotation that works, um, especially considering the fact that um, his outfield spots for the last couple of years was left field. And if you're considering potentially giving Christian Yelich some time at designated hitter, to ease some of the wear on that body and his back and whatnot. Um, Meadows would slot perfectly into that spot. So that's actually something that would work really well as an outfield DH rotation. Um, You know, I like the profile. Um, You you love the fact that he's a big home run hitter. You love the fact that he'd be a lefty home run hitter at Miller Park. That'd be fantastic to watch. 
Um, and he's got, um, you know, a few years left to control. Um, this is just his first arbitration year, yeah, it looks like. Years. So, yeah, so he'd be around for a, a little while. Um, I think it's definitely a move that, like, you would think of a lot of other trades before you would think of this. But when you start putting a little bit of the pieces together, it's kind of a good idea, I feel like. Yeah, and that's where I was just kind of like, you know, I think – like this is something that Stearns would do. You wouldn't expect it. Um, it it's, I mean, Austin Meadows is obviously, you know, an, an attractive um, trade target, you know, an attractive guy to go get, but you don't really kind of think of the Brewers as, as going to it. And it's something that's kind of out of nowhere, but when you really look at the numbers and, and look at the fit, it makes a lot of sense. So I'm like, I'm going to do it because I, I could see Stearns doing this um, and, and making this trade. Now, as for what it costs, you know, I, I talked about that a little bit in the article. Um, you know, maybe they could look for uh, an Adrian Hauser or an Eric Lauer uh, in return to trade from that rotation depth. I don't think the Rays really need uh, rotation help at the moment. I mean, they, their starting five seems pretty solid. Um, and even if the Brewers were to give up one of those guys, they probably want something more than just a outfielder slash DH in Austin Meadows, I'm assuming. Uh, maybe they could go prospects um, and, and try to, you know, grab from the Brewers farm system like they've done before. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. I mean, it, it could be a, a bunch of different things going in return, but it's not going to cost a huge haul. You know, like yeah. like getting Meadows isn't going to cost Garrett Mitchell or Bryce Terang or Ethan Small or Aaron Ashby. It's not going to cost any of them. The, the top guys are, are going to be safe for a Meadows trade. And I think that will make um, trading for him definitely worth it. Yeah, you're talking to a guy who's got a career uh, B-war of six. So that's not going to yeah. break the bank. It, it, don't, don't get me wrong. Like, all the stuff we just talked about is absolutely legit. Um, he would be able to put up some numbers. He's a guy that you want on your offense. Um, but having that background, like I said you know, having that, you know, career war and everything, the career numbers that he has doesn't mean you're going to have to offload your entire farm system or a whole bunch of major league level guys just to get them. So um, the Rays, they definitely have a unique way of working with their pitching. Um, and they've already got a couple of our pitchers from last year in Fire Eyes and, and Rasmussen. So I'm sure they're a little bit familiar with the system as it is. Um, you never know. Um, you know, maybe there is something else in there that they would be interested in taking. But like you said, it, it, it sh- wouldn't ne- uh, need to be anything that would break the bank. I certainly wouldn't think. Yeah. So I, I, I think it makes sense. And mm-hmm. it's fun to talk about trade rumors and trade targets again. And I just want the transaction freeze to be lifted. I want the lockout to end so we can get free agency, get trades, get all these moves and things happening. And we can talk about them and talk about baseball and roster construction and just rumors and fun. And yeah, yeah, you can do this, guys. We have faith in you. I mean, not a lot right now, but we've got some. <laughs> I've got faith in Brent Suter. I'll put it that way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, not a whole lot else. Yeah. Yeah. And in, in Brent Suter, we trust. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a good spot to end it for this yeah. week. Um, all right. So hopefully by this next week, um, 
Yeah, so this is going to be our last podcast before we really find out what happens on opening day. Because by, by the time we record next week, we're going to we're going to either have the CBA agreed to, or we're going to have the season delayed. Um, so it's going to be one or the other. We'll react to that all next week here on the Cold Brew Podcast. So in the meantime, cross your fingers and uh, pray to Jabu and offer him rum and try to ensure that we get this baseball season back on track. Uh, and hopefully they can get this figured out and we can get Brewers baseball back in our lives more than just minor league spring training. Cause as fun as it is watching those guys, I'd like to see Christian Yelich and Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff and all those guys back. Yeah. That, that would be nice. Willie Adamas. We were supposed to have a full season of Willie Adamas. Don't take games away from us. Yeah. Especially considering opening days against the freaking Arizona Diamondbacks. Yeah. yeah like, come please. on, this has been our easiest opening day in years. Yeah, please leave us as many of those easy games as possible. Yeah. Ugh, unreal. All right, anyways, that's a, that's a good spot to end it for this week. So be sure to stay tuned uh, to the Cobra Podcast. Stay tuned to Reviewing the Brew. All your latest brewers updates there. Um, and also... Check out our, our episode with uh, Robert Murray from this past week. All the uh, all the lockout updates and uh, things you really kind of need to know about the main issues uh, are in that episode and his thoughts on when it could end. Plus, he had a Brewers free agent tease uh, for once this thing gets going. Um, so mm-hmm. uh, you're definitely going to want that if you haven't listened to it already. Um, be sure to follow us on Twitter at coldbrew underscore pod and at reviewing the brew. You can follow me at dgasper24. You can follow Matt at mkematt13. They'll do it for us this week. We'll see you next time for another episode of the Cold Brew Podcast.